Are you ready? It's that time! Welcome everybody to episode, it doesn't matter, of season two of Man Buns and Jesus. Uh, I am one of your hosts. I don't even know if I'm the most flippant host, but I'm one of your flippant hosts. Uh, Pastor Josh Laborious, I, I serve a congregation called Edgewater out in Eastvale, California. And the other voice you're going to hear today, the, the gentleman who is on this call with me, is Pastor, the, the esteemed Reverend Benjamin Olschlager, first of his name. Um, I like that. I'm sticking with that. He is a, a servant, uh, a faithful servant out in Lake Orion, Michigan, to the, the people of Good Shepherd and, and the community that they're in. Um, so now that we've, we've, you know, been very, you know, pious with our introduction, we are servants, et cetera, et cetera. <laughs> what are we talking about today, Ben? Um well, two things. First, you're lucky that the other Reverend Benjamin Olschlager in LCMS history uh, spelled his name ever so slightly differently, so you get away Ooh, with that. That's a relief, because um, <laughs> that would totally change it for me. Yeah, right? Um, but the thing that we're actually talking about today... Um, Is there's not a, the naming convention of pastors in the LCMS? No. What? <laughs> I need to scrap all of my planning and start over. There's There's been a clip that's been circulating on uh, social media the last few weeks of a church uh, in Texas. Uh, I think it's in Dallas. Um, preparing Seems like a very for, Dallas thing to do. I know, right? Preparing for their Christmas services. Um, and... How do I put this other than um, like they have drummers hanging from the ceiling in in what to me can only be a stupidly excessive use of money um, as like part of their programming for their Christmas service. And. It reminds me of the, there was that church in Georgia a few years back that had the pastor like fly in from the back on Easter Sunday, uh, which was equally ridiculous. Um, and so Josh and I are sitting here. One, if you're not watching the video, we're just, we're shaking our heads. And laughing and and shaking our heads at the excess probably filtering a lot of our responses um yes that All are inappropriate for this us trying to make sure we don't say something we can regret later um uh, but so my the, father the always told me benjamin <laughs> just because you can doesn't mean you should yes and that's kind of our question that we're we're going to consider today is like, we want to do things well as a church. We want to present 
God's word in a way that appeals to people. Um, the word winsome has gone around a lot, uh, a lot lately in Christian literature uh, about the way that we're uh, that we ought to present ourselves. Um, and that's, you know, open, appealing, friendly, loving, kind, all of those things. Um, and on the flip side of that, like, so that, that is a, perhaps a, a plus for like high stage value production stuff. Um, and on the flip side of that, you have, uh, being responsible with the resources that you've been given, just being good stewards. And, uh, this drummer question has us asking ourselves, um, where's the line between stewardship and production value? Like how much money should we be sinking into our services? You know, whether it's a low church or a high church thing, whether you've got drum drummers suspended from the ceiling or uh, gold instruments on your altar, um, what is a reasonable amount or like, where is the line from where things go from reasonable and, and praiseworthy to excessive and distracting and poor use of, of what we have at our disposal. Um, Cause that's something that a lot of churches struggle with, I think. And uh, okay. I, my, I, th I have so many responses and questions and, um, and I think the most like maybe wise one or wise point, I guess, is just whenever you're doing anything that is related to a worship service. You, you, you gotta remember why you're doing it. And if the answer is ever, if someone asks you, why did you do this? Because it's cool. You, you shouldn't have done it. If it cost any resources to do. Um, and I know that sounds extreme, but I don't think it is. I, I mean, I guess it is extreme, but I think it's appropriate nonetheless, because the purpose of a worship service, and Ben, you can correct me if, if I'm off on this, but I don't think I am, obviously. I wouldn't say it if I thought I was off, um, is to grow closer as a community to grow closer to God and to, to worship and thank him for what he has done. So if anything you're doing doesn't serve one of the, those goals, you really shouldn't be spending any serious money on it, is my, is my contention. Um, and I think in circumstance, like, and the flip side is, does it detract from those goals? Because if that's the case, then it's no longer, well, you probably shouldn't be spending on it, money on it. Then you definitely shouldn't be spending money on it. And my, and when I see that clip of this drummer descending from the ceiling, 
I'm thinking when someone is watching that, when they walk, when, if you ask them the next day, what do you remember from the Christmas service? It's not going to be, oh, it was an opportunity to worship God. It's not going to be whatever the message was about. It's going to be, oh, the drummer descending from the ceiling was really cool. I think there's like a 50% chance based on where those safety harnesses have to go that it's going to be the the drummer farted on me. And right. It's just <laughs> you're not putting on a show. This is not a concert. It you're not doing something just for a wow factor. Mm -hmm. You are there to worship the almighty God of the universe. So the service better be about him and not about Oh, this church is so cool. Look at how they're splashing cash. And I think that, that applies uh, like a worship team up front. The second it becomes about the worship team, you have misplaced your priorities. Because the worship team's only job there, their, their purpose there is to lead God's people in worship. So the reality is, like, I mean on a very simple level of volume, um, the singer pro like should only really be loud enough that he or she can be heard over the congregational singing so he can, they can keep leading. But if the, if the volume coming from the front is drowning out the volume from the congregation, like it's, it's, it looks at very least the optic is it's, it's about, the band and the show we're putting on, not about worshiping together as a community. And that that goes for drummers from the ceiling like that. And and I would even say in like traditional, in, in like on the flip side, if you're coating your whole sanctuary in gold, how is that helping anyone worship? And you might say, well, it's not hurting. Uh, I would disagree because if someone walks in and visits your church, their their response could very easily be look at this waste and and like there's a hypocrisy there because and and this sound that i'm going to put it how it is the cost it it the cost the church had to put in to get all the equipment to set up all the equipment to have this guy drumming as he descends from the ceiling how, i mean just to put it bluntly how many people could that have fed in dallas how many family like i'm guessing i could be wrong because this is the like i did a quick google search this is the kind of thing that like they don't put prices on you have to call for quotes on like that could have built a home for a family who didn't have a house like not to put it too bluntly but like some some of the money that gets put into productions like this i'm not going to call them worship services that gets put into productions I'm not, I'm not kidding with this. You as a congregation would be better served sending that money to Edgewater so we could build a building and do ministry here. Like the, the number of better things money like that could be used for is absurd. Mm -hmm. So like the, the more I think about stuff like this, the more I get upset about it. Cause I'm like, are you kidding me? Mm-hmm. Are you kidding me? Mm -hmm. It's the same thing as like when preachers, uh, like when pastors are like just flagrantly wealthy 
and they have like private jets and stuff like that. I'm like, um, you're a servant of God and his people and you don't need a private jet, <laughs> but that could have like fed an entire city for a year. Mm-hmm. It It's <sighs> with stuff like that where I'm more than happy to say like, even as a pastor who uh, benefits from and is quite happy with the benefit that I receive because of our like how housing allowance stipulation and weird stuff in the tax codes. A, it's not that big of a benefit. Um, but B, like throw a cap on that sucker. Like, yeah, unless you're a pastor in San Francisco where a single family home, a mo- a modest single ha- family home is going for over a million dollars. Um, you don't need a home worth more than a million dollars, especially where, where I preach in the Midwest, where Josh is at, it might be a little bit more, but like, yeah, for, for, uh, for a modest home in Eastvale, which is where our church is, you're, you're still over $500,000. Yeah. Um, but well, here's the thing, the pastor should not be the wealthiest person, this is a tangent, this is not what we were discussing at all, but the pastor should not be the wealthiest person in the congregation. Um, Yeah, if they're able to afford minority ownership of a sports team, there's problems there. Um, Unless they won the lottery, then do whatever you want. I mean... I say that because when I bought my Powerball ticket for a billion dollars, I was like, if I could, I'd I'd buy a share in the Predators. I would do that. What do you want? I don't want any leadership responsibility. I just want to be able to say I own the Preds and I have a box. Josh and I have a similar, I think, philosophy when it comes to the lottery, which is um, if it gets high enough, we'd consider if not like Josh would actually pull the pull the trigger on playing. If only because like the amount of stuff that we are annoyed by that we could pay off uh, would be incredible. Oh, yeah. Um, like, it's it's not about <laughs> our, like, pet projects as much as, like, we both hate the fact that the seminary had a terrible athletics facility because nobody wanted to use it because it kind of stank half the time. And so if one of us won the lottery the seminary would be getting a new fitness center. <laughs> yeah, but in the trolliest way possible, because I would donate the entire thing, but I would insist naming it something that the acronym for was, like, radically inappropriate. See, I wouldn't go that far, but I, I would. Because I <laughs> I'm a troll. I, I would probably have either some kind of sarcastic name or... um. No, I take that back. It would be named in honor of Beerman. Let's be honest. I don't know. Or the Do Better Fitness Center. <laughs> God is um, God. And, no, God is God and you are not. So get your butt in the gym. <laughs> um, ben is right, though. I do every... If Powerball gets over a billion dollars, I buy a single ticket. That is... That's... that's I've done that since I was old enough to buy lottery tickets. Um, and whenever it gets over a billion, I buy a ticket. This past time when it was it was over a billion for like a few draws in a row, I got one ticket every time. Didn't win anything, but you know, 
anyway. exciting. Uh, Circling back to the topic at hand. Way like, back. Um, I, and, and here's something I want to throw to you is, because we should strive for excellence, right? Because mm-hmm. there is a point where, like, if, if, if the things around the worship service suck, that is also distracting, right? Like, if your microphone is buzzing the entire time, that is distracting. So, like, where... Yeah. Where's the line between not distracting on one side and not distracting on the other side? So I think for me, the the thing that kind of keeps coming back to my to my mind, and I think this is something you kind of pointed to is, does this help or hurt proclamation? Does this help or hurt the spreading of God's word? Um, you noted, like with the drummers hanging from the ceiling, chances are, that is probably going to hurt because like people are going to walk away. You would have to be the best preacher in the world to follow ever. You would have to be as good as Jesus was that when people walk away from that service, they're like, man, that sermon was so good. What, what about this drummer? I forgot about him because of that sermon. Maybe just John the Baptist level. Maybe (laughs) call everybody a brood of vipers. See how that works. Yeah. Or Paul. Um, anyway, you have to be uh, a biblically good preacher. Yes. Yes. Um, so like thinking about the things that we do in our sanctuaries and we do in our worship spaces, um, I tend to like, like, I like contemporary music because, um, as a quasi classically trained singer, um, I know how much effort it took for me to understand how medieval and uh, reformation and later classical era music moves and progresses. Um, And I still struggle with it. And I know that there are people in my congregation who struggle with it more. Um, So like having modern tunes that are familiar to the modern ear makes sense in that context, but I still want to have it in such a like style in such a way that the thing that people are coming away from is not, Oh, that music was great. It was, wow, that song really made me think. Or the words of that were beautiful. I I was reflecting on that as I was singing that. Um, And that's like, that's what draws me to a tune more than anything else. um, After maybe singability. Um, but that does not trump theology by any means. Anyway, so the the point being, like contemporary music and contemporary worship often has a an ability to become overpowering. Um, and I think like because of that, you often lose any sort of message that you might have in those lyrics. On the same kind of token, though, um, organ solos bug me. Like, if you're going to have an instrumental verse of a song, you better explain that ahead of time so that people take that time to reflect or something. And so it's not just a concert for the organist in the middle of your service. Like, and I've seen that plenty at traditional congregations. Um, 
and yes, you pay your organists well. You want to give them a chance to show off, but like let them have a concert a couple times a year. Um, that's fine. Yeah, the, like, the it, worship service should never be about the people leading it. Mm -hmm. Oh, that's also what the post loads for. Like, let them rock out as people are leaving. If yeah. they want to stick around and listen, they can. But like, anyway. Yeah. Um, Any Anything in the service that doesn't point to God mm -hmm. shouldn't be there. Mm -hmm. And so like, another example of this maybe um the way that we kind of dress up or dress down our sanctuaries um what becomes the focal points of your sanctuary uh, my congregation had a a riff about 20 years ago because they moved the crucifix from the center of the 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 chancel the center of the like holy space in the middle of the, of the, the building um to a sidewall so they could put a screen there because it was the best place to put a screen. Um, and a lot of people didn't like that. And I think justifiably so. Um, was it the best place to put a screen for visibility? Yeah. But did it have to go there? No. They bought a couple of big flat screens recently. I think within the last few years, moved them off to the sides. Jesus is back in the middle. Um, yeah. That's and, that's something I do think. I I I, and this might just be my sentimentality, but I think there is something to say. We we orient the worship space around um, the cross and and the altar. I think this is this is one thing that it's like if you know me, it's it's weird that this bugs me. Because I'm not a big I'm not big on symbols and stuff like that. But when I go into church worship spaces and there's not an altar, or like the altar's off to the side, I'm like, um that should probably be front and center. Right? And yeah, I know that means the worship team or whatever's off to the side, and it's like, well, the worship cool. team's not the most important thing in the room yeah um, with screens make like put it over to one side people can turn their heads right um as far as i'm concerned if if you have any sort of option the altar should be front and center in in a worship space and and the cross should probably be directly over it um i i understand like i'm i we rent a school i know that's not like it's Everyone's not always possible yeah but like if you're designing a sanctuary space yeah the altar the the place where we go to to commune and to to receive jesus like that sh that should probably literally be the center of our worship so um yeah i i think it comes that... down to why you're doing it yeah. Are are you doing it because you want to be popular and cool and and be part of the culture or are you doing it because you want to connect and worship God? Connect with and worship God. Yeah. And another thing that is kind of present in my mind um like 
what are you investing in those things as you put them together? So like there might be something that helps with your proclamation, um, like a video board. If it helps you, like some people really can effectively use slides within a sermon to help convey a message and get that across. I'm not good at that because I always forget to push forget next on my slides. slides. Yeah, I forgot that I have slides. Um, and so for me, it's just, it's easier to just speak. And I have one slide up during the entire sermon. It's got the title of the sermon, the text the sermon's written on, and some picture that I think relates to the theme of the sermon, like as the background. Um, that's it. Um, actually, I think it says sermon in the top left corner, because that is a, a vestige of the guy who put these the slide deck together. Um, but well, like, like for words, it, it it's a really low threshold way to to make participation in the congregation easy. Yeah. If someone comes in and they have no idea how a hymnal works, or they have like the bulletin is like, why did you hand me this paper thing? Mm -hmm. But they can look at a screen and say, oh, everybody's singing the, the four lines that are on the screen. I guess those are our words. Yeah. Um, yeah. That's supporting people's worship. That's supporting yeah. your proclamation. And like there are there are a multitude of reasons for this, but electronics keep getting cheaper and cheaper. And so like you can do a lot of that at a pretty reasonable price point. Um, yeah, you can put two TVs up for less than 500 bucks. Yeah, we I mean, we just got it. I think they're a little more than that now, at least for the ones big enough to be able to use in a congregational That's space. Um, we just got a new one. Um, for those of you who don't know what a confidence monitor is, um, if you walk into a worship space or a uh, concert space, you'll often see a screen in the back that has that's facing the stage that's facing the stage that has similar to what's on the screens in the front um, so that people can see whatever's coming next. Um, and like for those of you at, at our church, like it's pretty hard to miss because it's like on a big old thing in the back. But like if you look back there during my sermon, it, it has little notes on it so that I can cue whoever is running slides when to transition to whatever I have next. Um, I frequently don't look at that screen, uh, so I feel bad for whoever ever has to like whenever anyone because normally my wife Chris is the one who does it, but whenever anyone else does slides, I, I frequently go up before the service and apologize to them. I'm like. I'm sorry for what I am going to do during the sermon. If you get lost, it is not your fault. I take full responsibility for that. You should just have a blank slide at the end of your sermons every week uh, with the same background so that if somebody gets lost, they can just flip to that. Just click to that. And just call it good. Um, anyway, the, the point I was getting to there is we um, had a funeral a few weeks back. Um, actually a couple of months back where I was running the slides from up front, which happens occasionally when we have services during the week and I can't necessarily get a volunteer to run slides. Um, but I was without my confidence monitor, which makes things a little more challenging because I'm then turning over my shoulder all the time to try and see where the congregation's at slide wise and make sure I'm not you ahead of them. never realize how great it is until it's not there. Exactly. Um, so like, those things can be reasonable. And we like, we just got a new one. Um, 
and it wasn't overly expensive but like at the same time that you can spend a couple hundred bucks on a on a flat screen you could you could go out and get like a multi-thousand dollar led wall um and some of those are like pretty over the top um some spaces you kind of need them because like they have to be far enough away from the congregation that a tv wouldn't work but it it's all it's all a like a situational thing and this is all to say if you don't need it don't force it um, right get what get whatever serves your context best exactly um and like the same the same thing goes for sound systems right you don't necessarily need like the pinnacle of sound equipment you need whatever is going to let you without distraction lead and proclaim yeah and an irony that was pointed out to me recently a lot of um the like kind of mega church um or non-denominational kind of churches that have massive video walls and screens everywhere uh as visual aids to help with worship come from the reformed tradition which typically has had very bare sanctuaries um because they believe that that helped point people to god if the only adornment was like a cross in the middle of the sanctuary um but and then they're the ones putting up massive video walls with like huge graphics and it gets me thinking like just take the walls down and and like paint paint them with pictures <laughs> like the church has done for centuries because you can oh, tell a your... story by just pointing at walls that's true that's the the church my my home congregation back in georgia had stained glass uh up front that it was really so they have like three walls of it and the the first is like creation mm-hmm. and and stuff associated so like god the father with creation and then the center one that's over the altar and over everything is uh it's jesus and jesus uh i think there's a cross there. I don't think he's like, like he's, he's not nailed to it or anything, but um, so it's, it's like the sun and then there's a symbol for baptism and, and the fire and the dove and the Holy spirit on the other window. And like, I, I remember a couple of times that was used really effectively in, in sermons. Um, mm-hmm. So. In other words, yeah. like these are two very, low church contemporary modern guys saying hey liturgical art's actually kind of worthwhile um sometimes i think sometimes it goes like i personally just in general am not a gold guy that's i think it's gaudy um like you'll like i my my wedding ring is i mean it's not even silver my my wedding ring is titanium tungsten which is minus two it it makes it indestructible band of wood in it um mine uh mine costs five dollars on groupon nice i think mine was like a um, bucks. Like anyway. we, didn't, we didn't do gold rings because it's like so like liturgical art can go too far like anytime mm-hmm. you start putting gold up on the wall i'm like let's tone it down let's tone yeah. it down a little bit so but, an uh, example of that we just got new communion wear 
about a year ago. Um, and the old stuff we had was silver, which is expensive. And if you know anything about wine, uh, wine is acidic. Silver plus acid sometimes equals problems. Um, and you eventually have to get stuff patched and, and put back together. Because um, high-end silver, not supposed to be corrosive or like corrodible. But when you don't use the highest of end silver, you do have to replace it. Um, and uh, I had them replace the the pieces that would interact with wine with glass. Because hypothetically, as long as nobody drops that sucker, it should last right, a long, glass long is time. A yeah, exactly. Um, we got metal plated stuff for the other communion wear but i went pretty simple and i think it was on the less expensive end of what we could have gotten but um it needed to get replaced but we we found stuff that looked good filled the purpose and it wasn't the most expensive thing out there which allows us to then put that money back into other places well and um, that's something also a lot of times like check check your congregation so my brother mm -hmm. is is a big time woodworker Mm -hmm. So he he made uh, like a baptismal font for his congregation. He just built it. Mm -hmm. um, and like he made me, I'm so proud of these because they're so cool. He, I didn't have an individual communion set. So he like, these are wood. He made these. He turned these on a lathe um, out of blood wood, actually. So that's kind of like, that's kind of a cool that he used blood wood for the communion wear. So um, yeah, like just use what you can i i yeah. had to show off a little bit i'm so proud of no that's fair i dig it um another example um there was uh, a video posted on do you know the channel 10 minute bible hour uh um, oh, i think I, I think i used one of their videos for a religion class at some point i don't okay. know what context i used it in though okay um the guy often goes around, it's not like all he does, but it's kind of a series on his channel. He'll go around to different churches, talk to the pastor there, get a tour of the church, kind of get a like sense for what the symbolism and design for these different places is. And he went to one recently where it was, a, uh, I think, Byzantine Catholic Church. So Eastern Rite Catholic Church, you can look up more about that on Wikipedia in your own time. They tend to be very liturgical. They're very correct? liturgical. It, yeah. It's like kind of in the weird middle between orthodox and catholic um but you walk into he walked in the sanctuary and it's it's beautiful it's well painted it's um there's icons everywhere um and it looks really cool um and it I looks hear a butt coming no it looks far older than it it really is um and the thing that kind of was like a little knowledge bomb in the middle of all of that was the priest he was talking to was the one that painted all of the icons but he didn't know that until as he's like attempting to leave he saw icons on their mailbox and he's like why invest in icons on the mailbox and the priest was like oh i did those it, we, it didn't cost us really much out of anything other than the paint like use the skills that you have at hand if you have people in your congregation that are great artists like let them do it up if you have people in your congregation that um have certain skills 
like let them use them but don't just try to copy whatever is in vogue no matter what the price point is do what you have the skills for that you can do and what serves the people that you're serving yes yes and that serves proclamation never forget why you're doing what you're doing exactly i think that's actually my takeaway are we done i i I don't know but oh as i I said it i was like yeah that's my that's my thing okay i have one more one more example go for Um, it they've all been very very concerning to be honest okay good (laughs) here's here's my last one um we've got old christmas trees um like you set them up, tear them down once a year for a month. Um, and there was a conversation about a year ago on replacing them. Um, and I honestly don't know how I feel about it. Cause on the one hand, they look okay. On the other hand, they drop a lot of needles, which doesn't look okay. They're fake trees. They shouldn't drop needles, but they do. And I know about how much it would cost to replace those. They're not cheap. But I know people value that for the beauty that it brings to our sanctuary in the middle of winter. So this one, I legitimately don't know exactly where I fall. I think I lean against using church budget to get new trees because I think we have better uses for that money. But at the same time, it does kind of like lean into the. Is it like, is it going to be distracting for people? Yeah. Yeah, that's. I think, well, here's how I would solve it. I would say we don't replace them immediately, but next, like when after Christmas they run the sale. And all those trees at Hobby Lobby or whatever are like 40, 50% off. We replace them for next year or something. So like you replace them, but at the absolute best price point you can find. Yeah, I, I'm even of like at this point, and this is maybe not a great thing to put out, but at this point I'm kind of of the mind of like, if people want to see the change, they can make it happen themselves yeah um which i think is is fair on some level i think when it when it's an essential piece of our decor like if our crucifix broke um i'd be happy to spend church sure, funds should on probably that. replace that um if the altar sustained damage i'd be happy to put church funds in on that it's sustained damage <laughs> its health points are dropping yeah if the if pews broke i'd be happy to put church funds in on that um but the christmas trees to me don't seem quite as essential and so yeah that's a tough one that's a tough one yeah anyway i'll let people muse on that and if you have input a little bit (laughs) yeah if you have input you can throw it on our facebook page as we enter into our shameless plugs here because we have one of those Shameless we don't check plugs. it very we don't check it very often but when we do uh it's it's to post things and to see if anyone wants to talk to us about something that they have passions for mostly mostly just that last one yeah um 
we just skipped uh, takeaways and prayer thoughts. We'll get back to those in a sec. But follow yeah, us. Shameless on your... plugs first. You're stuck yeah. with us. <laughs> follow us on your favorite uh, podcasting app. We're on just about all of them. Uh, all the reach good out ones. to us if what? All the, all the good, good ones. ones. Yeah, reach out to us if you have something you want us to talk about. Uh, we'd be happy to. Uh, we'd also have you on the channel or on the show as a guest if you are desperate for that. Uh, but and if you have a friend who is uh, who would be interested by this topic, go ahead and send them a link. Mm -hmm. And if it's a, a pastor who's spending too much money uh, on stupid stuff at his church, go ahead and passively aggressive send them this link. We'll be we'll be the aggression aggression for you. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. <laughs> uh, Josh, do you want to keep your takeaway? I I would. Um, maybe add just, uh, so I said, like the takeaway is never forget why you're doing something. Yeah. But also if you're doing something that doesn't connect to that, maybe stop. <laughs> like if it's not hurting anything and it's not costing anything, fine, who cares? But if it is, uh, if it's taken away from anything else, then maybe just stop. I think use, my, use your reason as the filter yeah. for doing stuff. Yeah. Yeah. I think my takeaway is uh, if your church has anchor points built into its sanctuary to allow for the infrastructure to fly drummers in during your Christmas Eve service, uh, find a different church. <laughs> Uh, we're gonna get letters about that one. I'm just kidding. We don't get letters. Who's um, well, people don't send letters anymore. So, some prayer thoughts for today. Uh, pray Josh's jobs. <laughs> pray for Ben. Um, pray, pray for Josh as he's dealing with me. But also, uh, so pray pray for churches to be responsible stewards of the resources that God blesses them with. Um, and pray that regardless of what's going on, whatever distractions may or may not be there, that the gospel would still go out because the Holy Spirit can work through any and all of this, right? Mm -hmm. um, God worked through can a do donkey. Whatever he wants, he is God. So, <laughs> uh, yeah, he kind of has that cheat code unlocked. Yep. So, um, with that, uh, thank you so much for joining us. We do appreciate every every one of our listeners. Uh, go in peace, serve the Lord. Thanks be to God. Your first shameless plug. I'm so proud, Ben. <laughs> <laughs>